Welcome to the Conversation of Money podcast. I am your host, Peter Komalafe. This is where we talk about money and all things personal finance, where we help you make the best financial decisions possible because money is a tool and life is for living. Good morning. Happy Monday. Uh, Welcome back to the podcast. Uh, If you're watching this on YouTube, then you're picking this up at uh, 12 noon. So you're halfway through the day already. Well done. Um, I want to talk a little bit about um, education and I want to talk a little bit about um, side hustles and businesses, because for the longest time being on social media, I've certainly noticed um, this narrative of you need to, in order to be successful, you need to be self-employed. I'm not necessarily 100% bought into that idea in any way, shape or form. I think that as an economy for us to continue to operate, you kind of need self-employed people and you also need people to be employed within businesses. Um, And that may be a little controversial to say, um, especially when you talk about education and university and the cost of university, so on and so forth. Um, But that's what we're going to be talking about today. And I would love to know your opinions on this as well, because this is something that I guess has become a popular narrative over the last uh, at least a year, year and a half that I've seen. And I know people personally that also push this narrative out on social media as well. And it's, I just, it almost feels like it's a one size suit alls kind of economy now. Like you say something on social media, it's popular, it goes viral. You have to subscribe to that, that way of thinking. And I think it's important that we all have our independent ways of viewing the world, our own independent opinions and passions and ambitions that we essentially push. And we, uh, pursue. And so I'm going to be joined today by Sadusha Sen, who is the founder of the Abundancy Psychic, uh, Abundance Psychic. And we're going to discuss this into a little detail. Thank you so much for joining me, Sadusha, and um, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for having me, Pete. Lovely to be here. No worries. So you've got a, let's do an introduction to you first and foremost, because um, I know that you've worked in corporate land and you still do work in corporate land. You're obviously the founder of the Abundant Psychic. What is there for, for people to know about you and, and, and kind of what you do? Sure. So I founded the Abundant Psyche a few years back as a blog. Then it became a podcast and a YouTube channel. I am an economist by training. So I have spent a lot of time doing analysis, boring analysis, um, through my degrees, of course, and then eventually through my consulting career. So I was consulting for some of the biggest strategy consulting, management consulting organizations. And I have been in the financial services industry for over a decade, almost. So. yeah, that's that's me in a nutshell. What I do through the Abundant Psyche is that I try and bring out the nuance of the conversations around money, education, and careers. Um, when I founded it, it started mostly as a careers blog, and that's where the roots still are. Obviously, I started talking about money in the last few months more than I have historically. Um, but yeah, that's that's me in a nutshell. Have done career coaching for quite a while, so I have I help people find jobs through you know going over their CVs and helping them prep for interviews, finding the right opportunities for themselves. Because mm-hmm. let's be honest, not all jobs are for everyone. Yeah, so, sure. And absolutely, yeah, yeah do you think it's interesting you talk about careers and money because i think those two things do intersect 
and they intersect quite closely because the majority of people, you know, are in employed roles for large organizations, large businesses, and especially against the backdrop of the cost of living crisis. If you're not earning enough money, then you start to question your job. You start to question your career because if you don't have a job or a career that's going to pay you enough to live, then obviously that becomes problematic. So I can see how those two things intersect. I mean, do you find that there is a, there's been a, a theme or a, tre- a thread that's been common in the last say year or so in what you do, especially with the cost of living crisis and people looking for different careers and jobs and, and different avenues to earn money? Yeah, definitely. I think some of the things that I've picked up within my community is that post COVID and also because of people anticipating a recession and we can talk a little about the crypto crisis that's been going on which Mm -hmm. actually led to the downfall of quite a few big organizations and some of my students across my community lost jobs so that has been quite difficult and then of course you add the layer of the cost of living crisis inflation to all of that and people are really looking for ways to increase their income and when they are losing jobs that's obviously not a very happy place to be in but I also have seen some of my students being laid off from the biggest banks find jobs within the next two months or so because they have just gotten that preparation they have gotten into that habit of interviewing in a certain way and thinking about problems in a certain way so that's also been quite rewarding that they have, in spite of the challenges, they have gotten bigger roles, better roles, more aligned roles for more money. So mm. it's been good. Interesting. So obviously you mentioned that you're you're an economist and stuff like that. And I, I just want to touch on this very, very briefly because I think people will be interested to know. With everything that you're seeing at the moment, I think the forecast is we will narrowly miss a recession in the UK in 2023. How do you see things at the moment? Because for a lot of people, when you say economy and recession, those two things are, number one, confusing, and then fear-inducing is the other emotion that I think a lot of people feel. Yeah, that's that's actually a really good question, and I'll answer, as probably most academic economists would, is that economists are really good at post-mortems, not very good at predictions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so so I honestly don't yeah. know what's going to happen. And if anyone told you otherwise, they are probably not giving you sufficient nuance. Having said mm-hmm. that, the other side of me wants to say this, that macroeconomic factors will always change. The world is always going to change, right? So if you if you just think about the BRICS currency, for example, if you think about Hmm. the global political scenario with the war in Ukraine, we just don't know what is going to happen. But if we leave our futures to an uncertain event that we have no control over, it doesn't feel very satisfying and comforting to me. Personally, I, I would say that Yes, let the economy do whatever it will do. I can't control it unless I'm a policymaker. But let's do everything that's within our zone of control to be able to reach those jobs that we can get to, to start those side hustles that we can 
get going to have a control over our own situation, right? Because, yeah, like I, I wish I could change the economy, I could make the cost of living crisis disappear, but in all honesty, I can't, other than, you know, providing certain discounts on my products. So I can't do yeah. much else. Yeah. I mean, you and me both on that. I mean, if I could, if I could take it away, I would, but you've mentioned something that's so, so important. And I, I, I firmly believe this as well, that it's very, very easy for us to look at the situation around us. Then we blame said situation. We dwell on said situation. And then we forget about all of the things that we can do within our remit, remit to adapt and to adjust to the situation because the situation is forced upon you. You can't control it. You can't change it. But you can change the small things within your universe. And I think that's a really important no for people to consider, particularly now where, you know, especially with personal finances, it's hard for a lot of people, especially if you lose a job. Okay, that mindset to go get something else. But that kind of leads us nicely into the main point of conversation, really. And in the fact that I mentioned in the intro here, there is this narrative online that you've got to be an entrepreneur. If you're not an entrepreneur, you're wasting your time. And whilst I, I love that kind of ambitious go get in type thing, but it's painted out to be as this path to wealth, freedom, riches. And yeah. the reality is it's lonely as hell. It's so stressful as well. It's, I mean, honestly, I do pretty well for myself in a business. And besides the fact that I can control how I take income and control my tax take, if I could go back, it would be easier for me to just go back to Canary Wharf and earn 100, 120, 150 grand than doing what I do currently. Because at least in that employed role, I go there at nine o'clock, I finish at five o'clock. And if I want to do any extra, it's my choice. But as a self-employed business owner, I'm doing 12 hours, 14 hours, maybe even sometimes 16 hour days. And I think that reality is often missed when you have all of this social media um, propaganda, I'm going to call it, because it feels like a cult when you follow some of this stuff that, you know, entrepreneurism, business ownership is, is the main thing to go after. I mean, what do you think? I would agree with you 100%. In fact, the other day I was seeing on on news that a certain social media influencer with a huge following has gone back to corporate life um oh, really after and and she's really publicly suggesting that actually you know sometimes you just want to do the 9 to 5 and not do anything else around it because we don't realize that when we are on one side, yeah, there's the boss that there, there might be things that you don't want to do in your work day and you feel a certain sense of lack of ownership, maybe whatever it is, but you at least have the steady paycheck coming in, which can get you a good night's rest because you are not constantly worrying about where your next paycheck is coming from. And also, like you said, uh, in many jobs, not really working 12 to 14 hours a day. Of course, there are jobs that I have been in that industry where, you know, we have worked 12, 14, 16 hour days, but it doesn't have to be that way. So I would, I would completely agree with you. 
but i would also say this that some of us have this inkling to be bigger and take entrepreneurship as a challenge for what it is rather than yeah this is what is going to make me more money and mm-hmm. for those people i do think entrepreneurship is the path whether you will make money and lots of money through it that's a different point however i do think that entrepreneurs are really problem solvers at heart and this narrative around oh business is the only way to create wealth is a bit toxic if i'm honest because firstly a business is there to solve a problem not to build your wealth and unless that's true unless we really tune yeah. into that we will never really build the wealth unless we solve a problem i really love that actually that's a that's a really really good point and i, I didn't didn't really think of it that, that way before actually but you're right most businesses that exist fill a solve a problem fill a gap and i don't know i'm just one of those people where people will say oh Pete you're comfortable so of course you're going to say this but it wasn't always like this i have to reiterate that to people when whenever i say this but generally speaking for all of the successful people that i've worked with very closely a lot of them of where they've got their own business i've done it because of a couple of things first they really care about what they do number 2 they are problem solvers and number 3 that's just the way they're built they they they're built in such a way that they they can't they don't necessarily work well in a 9 to 5 employee role because they they crave and need that autonomy but the common thread amongst them is a lot of them didn't start doing what they were doing because of money or to earn money yes it's it's important but it's almost a secondary factor they're more passionate about solving the problem doing it really really well adding value and then money becomes this byproduct that comes off the back of the work that they do and i've seen that as a common thing with all of the wealthy people that i know who own businesses that i've worked with in the past yeah i mean i was just at one uh, tech awards ceremony the last week and this gentleman i think well in his 60s he came up very successful person across the board he came up and said well you know i'm i started my current role as non exec thinking i'll do it 2 hours a month for 2 months and now i do 4 day weeks for 8 hours a day and it's not because of the money i don't need the money i just love solving problems and mm-hmm. it's just so interesting that it, 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 it to me it feels like in some way you have to fall in love with the problem and the money automatically flows and now it's i know it's easy to say all of this airy fairy idealistic things when you don't have the money coming in you have to really tune into the money so i don't want to underestimate that but i just want you to understand i guess the listeners that it is a problem that you're solving the problem could be that I want to solve my money problem for the time being. That could be the problem that you are solving for the time being, but ultimately you have to be solving the end customer's problem otherwise you won't have money because here's something that I truly believe in that I know there's a lot of um theory around money, right? Like, you know, 
what is real money, what is nominal money, for all, all sorts of like, if you go to economics mm-hmm. land, you'll, you'll find all, all fiat, fiat currency and this and that, now crypto. However, if we just simplify, money is just value. And if you create value in the world, you'll get money. It's as simple as that in my mind, of course. Everyone has their own opinion. It's a great point, though. It is a great point, though, because your business, if it provides value, has value. So if money in whatever form equals value, then you are creating money, essentially, by way of your business. It's a very simplistic way of looking at it, but it's almost a very pure way of looking at it as well. Because the value is in the problem that you solve or the service that you provide, the product that you provide to address said problem. So it is, it is quite a, a unique way of looking at it. Yeah. I, 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 like I said, I would absolutely suggest that this is quite a simple way of looking at it because, you know, what, what does value mean? Value is relative. Like what, I value my water bottle greatly. Someone else might not, <laughs> right? And so I, I might be willing to pay a higher price for the same thing than another person. And that is ultimately di- going to dictate what problem are you solving and for whom you are solving that problem, which will really dictate how much money comes into your bank account. So if you, now this is a really crude example, but if you solve a really big life or death problem for someone who's extremely wealthy, you are probably going to get a whole lot of more traction and money coming in through that channel faster than if you solve a low level problem for students who don't have a lot of money. Mm So, um, there's a bit of that nuance but again like i said it's it's a, it's a simplistic way of looking at it but ultimately i think if we think about value and value creation across the board whether that's in entrepreneurship or in your day job i think we can get to quite a good place yeah. And so for you, do you find that um, that when it comes to like starting businesses or side hustles, those two things are obviously different. Um, and I think a lot of businesses start off as side hustles to begin with. And I, I like that route personally, because I think you're able to test something out, see if it works, see if there's traction in it. And then you do that transition into a formal setup, into a business setup. I mean, to be honest, that's kind of been my path. It started off with 60 second videos on Instagram what, in 2019, something like that. Uh, I wanted to test whether people would actually listen to any money content or investment content I wanted to create. And then transitions into YouTube in 2020 because yeah, okay, people did listen. Okay, people were paying attention. And then 2021 is when I think it turned into kind of like a business where brands then started wanting to work with me. Um, And then it transitioned into a little bit of TV because live Q and A's on YouTube, people started to listen and watch and someone from a TV channel that was watching one and attended a few and I didn't know any of this, but then 
oh, we would like, we want to do a, sh a show on money. So get this guy. And then it's, it's snowballing into a business. And I think that's a nice way for people to test out. I do think that that route requires a bit of patience though. And I, I don't necessarily think that social media is conducive to people having patience because it's instantaneous right now give it to me now yeah we live in the age of instant gratification absolutely i was going to say that i actually used to have a business before all of my corporate stuff because like many people i just wanted money right i did not want to rely on my parents for pocket money so I just mm -hmm. wanted money of my own that I could spend however I wanted to. And I did not have to tell anyone about what I was doing with my money. So I, I, I almost was that weird kid who was doing, who was in digital marketing before it was called digital marketing. So back in 2006, seven, I was d doing SEO and content creation and things like that. And that business had become quite successful, become almost an agency-sized business. And I was ran, running it out of my parents' bedroom. And um, I was obviously in university at that time, was not studying very much. I was so engrossed in business. Um, mm -hmm. And then I have now seen it from the side hustles angle as well. I have a full-time corporate job which is my main source of income and I honestly enjoy it so the abundant psyche is sort of a side hustle but also it's such a fulfilling side hustle that it's gone on to help so many people so I think this fulfills me gives me that autonomy that I want and almost I think if I call it an entrepreneurial gene though no one in my family is an entrepreneur so I don't know where <laughs> I get it from but it's it's just that need to create something to fulfill me I think that's pretty much been there through my life and I think mm -hmm. that's what gets fulfilled through the side hustle I don't know whether this ever becomes a full-time business that uh, overshadows my uh, day job or career. Um, and I'm, to be honest, in no hurry because I'm enjoying both. And I almost feel like both have their own purpose in my life. And I would be quite unfulfilled if I just spoke about money and careers without doing my corporate career, which is more around data, products, analytics, all of that analysis, yeah. business that's also business and marketing and yeah. all of that. It's, it's interesting because I, I see, I see, you've got the, you've got the, I guess the combination of the two things. And I think that in my mind, it's a great place to be because if you're working in a business, it's, you're getting, you're getting a paycheck, but you're also getting experience for free because they're paying you to gain that experience. And if you are so entrepreneurially inclined, you can take that experience into your own business. And I think the workplace being employed has a role to play. I mean, if I think about what I do now, um, 
everything has stemmed from the fact that I was paid for 15 years in financial services to learn all the stuff that I know. It was my job to know it. It just so happens that I've been able to transition this into something of my own where I'm under my own steam. And that doesn't, that doesn't mean that it's easy. It's been extremely stressful, like really, really stressful a lot of the time. And I do have, you know, peaks and troughs. Like this year has been a massive peak with the book and it's been a trough for the last like month or so because I'm just so tired and I, I don't have time to, to take off just yet, which is, again, busting the myth of freedom, you know. Um, but in the reality of running the business, it's hard. And I think having being employed in the business can be an advantage to anything that you effectively go on to later on. But I think bringing it back to the the reality of where we are right now with the cost of living crisis, I think more and more people are looking at side hustles and businesses because the reality of the economic world that we live in, buying a property in London, for example, it's just so unattainable for many people that they're looking for an alternative, something else that can help them on, on their on their journeys. I don't know, do you find that there are certain side hustles or businesses that you find people are attracted to in what you do? I I definitely have seen a growing trend of people jumping onto online businesses and digital products, especially course creation. Now, I'll I'll just draw out some nuance because I honestly think the space is getting too noisy with coaches coaching people on how to coach businesses, teaching people how to create a business <laughs> to create a business. And that's basically yeah. a MLM pyramid scheme kind of a thing. That's that's not necessarily um, solving a problem, I would suggest, unless you are talking about, well, people have this inherent desire to start businesses. So you are probably solving that problem. So I guess you do you are solving a problem but but there are so many other more pressing problems that people have uh, for example um you know people people are looking at healthy eating people are looking at uh, getting fitter people are looking for uh, entertaining their children so that the problems are abound but if you just keep thinking that, oh, I need to create a business and that's the problem that you fall in love with so much that you start tell, teaching people how to create a business to create a business. Instead of that, if we focused on actually solving real social problems, I think we are much better off. So that's my two cents on that. The other thing I would say is that it's probably easier to start an agency consulting sort of a practice now more than ever if you have the right credentials so i think pete like you know you spent 15 years thank you very much like literally i mean this is the one thing that drives me nuts on social media it is so easy for anyone to be an expert Mm -hmm. and uh, i don't know if i should say this or not i'm gonna share this anyway and I hope the person doesn't take offense if they understand who, if they clock on that I'm speaking about them. It's not intended that way. But I did a talk recently at a workshop and someone was talking about a topic and the stuff they were saying, you could just tell 
they weren't confident in what they were saying. They didn't really understand it. And so when questions came up, you could see they're fumbling the answer to the question because they didn't know the answer to the question. They're just trying to get out of the question as, as quickly as possible. And I think that's the danger. Your credentials are extremely important. You have to know what you're talking about because more than anything else, and this is, I don't know whether social social media needs to have more accountability in that regard. If you are seen as an authority, someone who has a huge following, that's what it feels like is required to become an authority now, a huge following. That's... And that doesn't mean that you're an authority. And when I've got 15 years experience in financial services, I'm a qualified financial advisor, qualified mortgage advisor. So when I talk about things i try and talk about it with the experience that i have and that when with a certain amount of objectivity not opinion based stuff and i feel as though if you have an opinion and a following that makes you an expert and i think that that's just so dangerous in this day and age where side hustles are propping up everywhere and social media is the vehicle for launching those said side hustles oh my god i 100 percent agree because i think with social media if you can crack your marketing, if you can crack the algorithm, so to speak, mm-hmm. you can end up getting a lot of people following you. That doesn't mean that you have put in the work. And I don't want to propagate that, oh, you do need to get 10,000 hours or whatever. But, you know, things like having a standard are important. So people who you go to, get coached by or learn from you want to be sure that they have a solid foundation of what they are talking about rather than mm-hmm. um just something they thought of last evening and now they are a health expert or a fitness expert or yeah. nutrition expert and things like that uh, but i yeah. will also say that most of us unknowingly do something when we are alone for example for me it it was reading up on money and careers and personal development and things like that and unconsciously perhaps because i was interested i got those ten thousand dollars in careers and personal development i still struggle to call myself a career coach many a times because i feel like i don't have a degree in hr and things like that mm-hmm. um, but i think from a customer standpoint as well, there needs to be a better understanding of really start questioning how do you have authority or expertise in this, right? And I, I'm not by any means suggesting that, okay, everyone has to have a qualification, otherwise they are not good. I'm just suggesting that you have, as a customer, some standard that, okay, if I feel like this person knows more than me or I understand this is the root of the thinking that they have proceeded with and I'm happy with that, I sign up for it. Not just because mm-hmm. they have good marketing. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think if you look at um, social media specifically and and the finance sector, I think a lot of people feel as though someone is qualified to talk what they to talk about what they're talking about by show of I'm in Dubai in a Lamborghini and I have a crypto thing, right? That's been the the validation tick box exercise. I think that's kind of 
lost its shine a little bit now. But I think that, you know, credentials are important, or at least some kind of standard um, to show you know what you're talking about. And I guess ultimately, as a someone who's looking to perhaps start a side hustle or build a business, you set those standards as to what they are. But how do you communicate that to your customer? And I, I'm just a firm believer that, look, for me, you can go and look at all of my content. You can go and have a look at, you know, my my LinkedIn. You can go and have a look at my work history. All those kind of things should then back up the standards that I put myself to. And I think that's really, really important for anyone looking to start a, a side hustle that hopefully transitions into a business because you, you're going to need that to be taken seriously. Um, and social media does play a part, but I, I think wrongly so in some cases. Yeah, I I agree, and I think um, especially if we are talking about content creation and this new sort of a business model that sort of starts through content and goes on to become something more of a knowledge imparting business, teaching, coaching, whatever you call it. I think it's a really interesting one because for the first year or so I think you end up finding your own voice on social media you 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 almost need to think things through is this what I want to be talking about is this not what I want to be talking about does this make sense and I think for the first couple of years or even the first three years in my well couple of years for sure in my business I wasn't sure who my audience was, what I was talking about. I was just sharing something that I had learned. Now, to turn that into a business, you need to A, have done some solid thinking, B, have put some processes in place, C, have had a marketing and sales funnel that works for you as well. Um, And I think most people see on the internet that, oh, so the influencer route is easy if you figure out the algorithm and then, you know, you'll have a business within six months. And like, you know, this instant gratification that you just mentioned, that that's just like through mm-hmm. the roof. And what it ends up doing is create this false sense of, oh, I can, it's, it's easy to create a content-led business, uh, which... I don't think is correct at all. In fact, it's probably one it's of the hard. hardest businesses. It's hard. Because, you know, with content, and I don't know, Pete, if you have uh, found this at all, but I found it, I, I'm very introverted. Most people don't realize this these days, but I'm very introverted. And I found it extremely difficult to come on screen, to come on camera, to discuss all of this. And some days after just doing a podcast or a video i just go and just sit in a dark room just you know gaining my energy back um and i'm yeah that that and and i feel like it's it's really hard so yeah uh disempowering when people say oh this is the only sort of business or you know this is this is easy or like oh you can be an influencer without anything um, without any uh, proper self-growth and personal growth and things like that. Yeah. Or you need to be some sort of a boisterous personality. Yeah. And for some people, that might be true. 
But for most people, I don't think it comes easy. No, it doesn't. I mean, it definitely doesn't come easy to me. I'm, I'm an introvert. I, I literally, if in public settings, in social settings, I sit back and I watch people. I don't know how, but somehow I enjoy speaking on camera. I enjoy speaking publicly. I had to do a lot of public speaking for my professional job. And I think that's what's paid dividends now to everything that I do. But content creation is, is, is very, very difficult. It's really, really hard. You, and I think people don't necessarily know the realities of it all, you know, the ups and the downs. And you have that with business anyway. But when it's a content creation-based business where you're putting your thoughts and your ideas out there, you almost have that double whammy effect pretty much um, with it. And it, it's very, very difficult. The other argument that I'd love to get your um, your take on, and you know, you, you've you studied, so you're an economist, so you, you've done the whole education route. I don't have a university degree. I couldn't afford to, to, to have one. And if I could go back and do my time, I would actually go and get a degree if I could have afforded it. Because I, I genuinely believe that it would have taken my career on my path a lot quicker. I would have probably got into Canary Wharf a lot earlier. But my circumstances just meant that I couldn't do it. And the other thing that I hear on social media is, and which I don't agree with, is this idea that university is a waste of time. Now, yes, it is expensive. Yes, there's student debt. But this idea that you don't need a qualification, I agree with partly. But the reality is, in order for some of the most important roles in our society, doctors, architects, teachers, you know, those are really engineers, those are really important jobs that dictate the world that we live in, those jobs need qualifications. And social media will have you believe that it's all just a waste of time. I'd love to know your thoughts on that. Oh my God, I where do I even begin? So, you know, I was over the last couple of months really trying to understand this narrative around why do they say that you don't need education to be rich when the data really shows that your salary slash income is extremely correlated with your educational degrees? So if you look at the U.S. census data and uh, salary data, that's what you see. So what is this narrative really about where people are saying that, oh, you don't need to go to college to be successful. And I think what struck out to me and a certain influencer who's since then been accused of all sorts of um, things, he spent some time in jail and all of that. Um, he, I, I was looking at one of his uh, pieces of content where he says that, well, success, you don't need to be going to college for success. All the wealthy people I know uh, have done X, Y, Z and, you know, information is free on the internet. And then it just struck to me that, you know, people are really getting confused about success and money. If you equate money to success, and if you suggest that education is information, you probably don't need to be going to college to get quite wealthy. 
However, in my mind, success is really living the life of your dreams on your own terms. Of course, money has its role to play in it, right? But only money is not success. There are so many other factors to success. And when I think about education, yes, information is free. But education is never about information alone. Education is information in context, right? You almost have to have that analytical thinking, the synthesis, the problem solving to come up with education. So if you just nuance that a bit, you suddenly realize why college is so important. And again, a lot of people, and I'm really sympathetic to this, right? Like a lot of people can't afford to go to college and we do need to find better ways of imparting that education. In my career, I have seen, especially in the UK, a lot of companies, including my previous employers, my current employer, everyone has an apprenticeship route in place. And that route is actually doing really well. So you are actually getting people who have done their GCSEs, A-levels, and then bringing them into the work context and molding them through that process. And apprenticeship is not a new concept. Yes, in the context of university education, it's a new con concept. But I think we are realizing as a society that anyway, technology is changing very fast. How you are, what, what skills you need to pick up technically are changing very fast. However, the basic problem solving is not changing. Like, you have a problem, you structure the problem, you break it down into small parts and you, you know, approach it in a certain way. And I think the apprenticeship route is becoming my favorite very mm -hmm. quickly because you then are suggesting that you don't need to go to university and get all these degrees. Of course, I would still suggest you probably do need some degrees for you know, medicine for to practice medicine, mm -hmm. to practice, you know, engineering, law, things like that. That, Frankly, I wouldn't be very comfortable putting my life in the hands of someone, someone who got who's... free free information on the internet. <laughs> exactly, right? Like 100%. Like, would you go into surgery 100%. with someone like that? So, um, so I think it, it's important. I Now, I, I'm very aware of the class conversations the social mobility conversations and i am getting more and more educated about this as we speak think developing and evolving my thinking around this as we speak um i don't have all the answers but what i do know is that college is important any way of you Placing yourself in a peer group of people who have developed their critical thinking, their analytical thinking, their problem solving is important. Your peer group does have a correlation with where you end up in life, both in terms of monetary success and also real life success, right? Like um, when I say real 100%. life success, I mean like, yeah. you know, beyond money, what is there? Yeah. I think there are so many bars in what you just said there in terms of education context and also application as well. It's so, so important because that's where the real learning comes in. 
applying using that information within the context of that information and yeah i mean like i said i wish that i i did university because i i do believe that when you when you have a peer circle circle or a circle of of friends your range of influence your your circle of influence extends with them and beyond them as well i mean i know so many people who have been I know this person, I know that person. So what are my closest friends? The people that he went to university with are now in government in the country. So it's like he's supremely connected, supremely connected. It's like there's nothing that he would want to do that he couldn't do if he asked the question of someone he went to university with who is now very, very well, well connected. And I think those kind of things you kind of miss if you don't go. And, and I guess ultimately for this conversation, it is about balance. It is about, you know, it may not be your path to go to university like it wasn't mine. I couldn't afford to do it. I just couldn't. And that hasn't hindered me in any way, but I have picked up professional qualifications along the way, which has led to, to my full circle moment doing this and having this kind of kind of conversation with you. And I think ultimately it is for you to, find your own way but that's the most important thing find your own way don't be overly influenced by these people talking smack on social media because that's what worked for them it doesn't mean it's going to work for you necessarily and you have to find your own way and that's the beauty of life figuring out what works on your journey and i think sometimes we really miss sight of that oh my god that's so profound in that you do really need to find your own way. I know everyone on the internet is trying to sell the one best way that exists, forgetting how how much of a unique snowflake we all are in our in mm-hmm. many regards. Um, and no one knows our situation better than ourselves. So it does come back to personal responsibility and and i look i like i said i understand that there are situations where you know if you don't have the financial means or you have to think out of the box a bit to make things work out for you don't forget that there are other people in the world who are helpful who genuinely want to help and reach out to them right like you don't have to solve your own problems if you just go and discuss your problems with other people you might find solutions and mm-hmm. yeah let society help you i think personally this has been one of my hardest learnings in that i have never been very good in asking for help and i have always thought oh i have to solve all of this myself but actually yeah. People love helping. This is the other thing that I have realized. And you are almost giving yeah. them that opportunity to help someone to feel good. Don't rob them of that opportunity as well. But yeah, at the end of the day, like you said, you have to find your own path. Brilliant. This has been an amazing conversation. Just let everyone know how do they find you if they want to connect with you. And I'll leave um, contact details in show notes and the description on YouTube. Yes, so I'm the Abundant Psyche on Instagram, the Abundant Psyche Money on YouTube. 
theabundancycle.com is my blog. There's a little money quiz there or career stuff there you might want to go and check out. And you can find me on LinkedIn as well. So that's me. Thank you so much for hosting me, Peter. Really, no, really no appreciate No problem at all. My pleasure. My pleasure. So look, if you've listened to this or you're watching this on YouTube, I hope that you, you, you took something from it. Um, it is a crazy, confusing, conflated world that we live in where social media definitely is molding the way we, we see the world and our narratives, right? And I think one of the biggest things that we miss in a social media world is our own individuality. I had a message on uh, Instagram today, actually, and someone was asking me about this idea of whether or not buying a property and owning a property is worthwhile because he'd been watching a lot of content online saying that it's a waste of time. And I, I simply went back to him. I said, what do you think? What do you think is going to work for you? And I think we miss this in an echo chamber where there's so many voices saying the one thing, how do you break away from that? Do you feel confident enough to break away from that? And I think that is true across social media and all walks of life in many facets of life as well. So I would love to know what you think about what we've discussed here today. This isn't necessarily like in tune with the echo chamber that's on social media right now. So if you do disagree, please put it in the comments on, 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 on YouTube because this will facilitate further conversation. And I think that is really important for us to arrive at a juncture where you, I guess, engage critical thinking because this is what it's all about at the end of the day. It's you having your own opinions informed by others and informed by information that you're seeing out there. So that's the question of the day. What do you think about all of this? You know, do you need an education to progress in life? Do you have to be in business to be wealthy, to progress in life? Or do you think it's all about your individual path? Let me know in the comments on YouTube. And if you're listening on Spotify and on the podcast, well, please do message me on Instagram as well, because I would love to know. But thank you so much to Sedentia uh, for, for joining. And thank you so much for watching. Just remember, money is a tool. Life is for living. Enjoy the rest of your week. I'll catch you next Monday. <laughs>